0: Imagine an old boys club which is a tad bit more inclusive, a tad bit more diverse and a tad bit more creative. Well, to have all that and much more, it has to have the midas touch of a supportive female leader. When women uplift women, a magical and organic change of dynamics is observed in households, communities, bedrooms and countries. Winning Side, a series of dialogues about winning themes such as diversity and inclusion, creating social impact and leading change. Hello and welcome to the Winning Side Suite. This is your host, Sarah Hassan. And today our dialogue is on a very interesting topic, and that is when women uplift women. I personally can't wait to explore the magic that networking brings forth. For those of you who do not know me, I was the former Women's Officer at University of Cambridge Graduate Union in 2019. And while holding that post, I realised that it is so important to have this ongoing support system for 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 females, be it at an academic level, a personal level, or a professional level. We definitely need it. And I am absolutely excited to invite our esteemed guests today to discuss just that. At the Winning Side Suite, we invited two inspirational leaders today to have a constructive dialogue on supporting and uplifting female talent, Dr. Gina Hallam and Pedro Adebayo. Welcome, and both. Thank, thank you. Pleasure to be here. I will. You're very welcome, and thank you for joining us. I will start off with um, sharing a bit about your journey. Although you know, your I'm sure your journey has much more to it, but just to give an overview to the audience. So, Dr. Gina is an astrophysicist. She's a former research scientist at the Institute of Astronomy. She's a social entrepreneur leading enterprise woman at Cambridge Judge Business School Entrepreneurship Center. She's a mentor with United Nations Office for Outer Space Affairs and sits on the advisory board for public engagement at Cambridge University. She's the founder and managing director of She Speaks Science, a social enterprise that gives women and minorities in STEM a platform to provide their work make science accessible and inspire the next generation of scientists with storytelling. Gina is the first person to obtain a PhD in astrophysics from a Lebanese university, the American University of Beirut. Mm-hmm. She's a public speaker for global forums, including United Nations and TEDx, and a perfect candidate to talk about how women affect women, because she's a men- she has been a mentor to me and two of my um, colleagues who are working on a startup uh, initiative. So, thank you, Gina, for joining us today. Pleasure. Okay. Next up, we have Pedro Adebayo. PJ is the CEO of Lumis Nigeria, a renewable energy company with a vision to power 1 million homes and businesses by 2025. PJ's career spans over the last 30 years. He's held senior executive positions and CEO positions for over 13 years. Prior to heading Lehmans, Pedro was appointed as the Honorable Commissioner for Agriculture for Oregon State Government. She has worked in C-suite and senior roles across a variety of sectors, an inspiration to many, both professionally and personally. Pejo is a proud wife, a mother. She's passionate about transformation, one person, one business, one system at a time. She studied BSc and MSc in chemical engineering at Imperial and later gained her MBA at Harvard Business School. Well, if that's not enough, she's also a recipient of 2015 CNBC African, Africa Businesswoman of the Year Award and the 2013 Harvard Business School Nigeria Leadership Award. Well, thank you, Pedro, for joining us.
1: It's a pleasure to be here, Sarah, and lovely to meet you again, Gina. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. Now that we have... Both of you
0: and Bert, I think we'll start off by hearing more about your personal journey as a, as a female leader in your field, because I think, you know, just listening to your profiles and whatever little I know about you, it is very difficult to be the first person in your field to be paving the route or paving the road and then walking on it and then making sure others, you know, have it easy or can follow the path that you've created. So what is your personal journey? What worked for you and what did not? So Pedro, maybe we,
1: we start with you, if that's okay? Yes, um, I'm happy I'm to... I think my journey is a little bit unusual. And I'll start with my family. Um, I grew up in a family of four girls and a boy. And my parents didn't treat us any different. And so I grew up pretty um, ignorant of... <laughs> any supposed differences between the um, journey, career path or journey of a male versus a female. I studied engineering. So I was also in, at the time, a very male dominated college. I think there were 97 guys and three women. Um, And so as I went into the workforce, um, I started off in the UK. Um, I was always a double. I I then discovered I was a double minority, um, but... I would say the the minority in terms of ethnic um, group was perhaps more of a factor than even being um, a female. However, as I I rose up the ladder, I I, I did notice that it was getting a bit more lonely um, and that all of my my sponsors or mentors were men. And so I began, as you said, I, I began to look around me and realize that not everybody had my journey and then began to consciously reach out to um, pull more women up the ladder, um, mentoring both formally and informally, um, um, encouraging, forming female circles. Um, And and so I find that um, even though my personal experience has not been in any way negative in any case, I think I simply don't notice as much, Um, but I know it's not the same for many women, and, and I'm very glad that these days is much more of affirmative action um, to ensure that um, even though normally at the beginning of the of the career journey, you know, the ratio of male to female is usually equal or or, fair or close to equal. But by the time you get to the top, um you, it could be less than five percent. So I think that affirmative action is necessary. Um and um I, I certainly encourage wherever I can. So in terms of being a female, I think the aspects of being female in terms of having a consensus style, a more collaborative style, um, have worked for me, um, not a confrontational style. Um, and sometimes I find being female, people assume I'm not threatening, which is very nice. <laughs> um, but that has worked for me. What doesn't work for me, simply because it, it's not my style, is to play any sort of feminine card. Um, So I think I've I've had a bit of an unusual journey, but I think the world is changing and and I'm very keen to help accelerate the change. I have three daughters and it's, it's extremely important to me that they have strong female role models.
0: Totally. And perhaps, you know, I'm not sure, but perhaps because the way you were brought up, you kind of did not see or did not care what was going around you. And sometimes that feeling makes you get going on the race and you don't care what's around you.
1: My mother worked, um, and she had a very successful career. So for me, it was not, it was not, it was not, it was completely normal. I know many of the the sort of setting I was brought up in was a very, um, professional, probably, you know, slightly more educated setting. And so it was not unusual. You had the right role um, role models. I had the right role models, but I, I think as I got into work, a workplace, a much more diverse workplace, and I should also say that um, I, had, I had two years um, um, in, in politics, actually, um, and, and I saw that in, in the political field, the discrimination against women is, is, is worse, far, far worse. And so I'm I, I very conscious of the fact now that it's an issue that needs to be very urgently addressed. When you look at the leadership we have, at least in my country, one certainly feels that um, perhaps you know, things would be better if there was more more gender representation. And in any case, the statistics show that when you have women on boards, um, when you have women women at the top, companies actually do better. So it makes good business sense to have more women in leadership positions.
0: Indeed. Gina, your journey. Totally excited to hear about it.
2: Yes. Uh, um, listening to Pedro, I think... We share, I share with Pedro this blessing of of growing up in a, in a family that also doesn't differentiate between uh, a boy and a girl. Uh, my I have um, two siblings, um, a sister and a brother and also my family, my parents um, encouraged me just like my brother um, to do what I really want to do in terms of becoming a scientist or a leader or a pioneer, they never gave me the impression that my gender would be an obstacle. Um, to build on what Pedro said, and I 100% agree with, with all that she said, um, I think my background as an astrophysicist, I realize it has put a different spin on my journey. It has informed my journey in so many different ways, and I think. Two ways stand out for me. One is perspective. Um, you know, you may we w- currently we, we find ourselves sometimes uh, struggling to hold our own, to find our next foothold, and we feel sometimes overwhelmed by by the magnitude, by the sheer magnitude of what's going on in the world, and the whole uncertainty like wrapping our reality at the moment. But as an astrophysicist, I, I learned to take the long view, to, to step back from the current reality and try to put things in perspective. And I think that has informed me on my journey and helped me overcome obstacles and um, uh, problems and barriers. And the second thing is, is agency. Um, you know, in astrophysics, you come across incredibly complex systems, unimaginably complex systems. But each part of this system plays its own role and affects the bigger system. And so knowing that and really living that through my research, I came to believe that no matter how small my role is, it does play part in a bigger ecosystem. And this informs my work today uh, whether uh, leading through leading She Speaks Science you know promoting and celebrating uh, women scientists and celebrating STEM and encouraging the youth to uh, to take up STEM subjects you know science, te- technology, engineering and, and maths or through my work on enterprise women helping women um, uh, businesswomen and founders and early CEOs to grow and scale their businesses. So I think these two points, which I've inherited from my own background, my research, um, really impacted the, my journey and how I see the world, perspective and a strong sense of agency as, as a leader, as a change maker, or having this, this strong belief that you know, given the passion and the determination,
0: I'm able to, to do it. It's brilliant, <laughs> um, especially the part where you said that whatever your role is, it's important. Um, while we talk about one's role in, in society or in the community, we currently stand in a place or in a world which, which recognizes the importance of gender diversity. United Nations Sustainable Development Goals 2030 included gender equality as one of the primary goals. And something that I quite liked about this report published by the UN was that, uh, titled Leave No One Behind, it reflected on shifting the needle on women's economic empowerment and highlighted on on a very, very interesting point that nothing should be done for women without the women. So on that, if I were to ask you, uh, Pedro and Gina both, what are the three key areas in your particular industry that needs to be addressed to facilitate women empowerment and support the gender dynamics? What would
1: those three things be? Okay, thank you, Sarah. Um, So my industry is, is renewable energy, so to put a little bit of context, um, renewable energy in Africa, 600 million people don't have access to the grid. In Nigeria, it's 85 million people out of a population of, of about 200 million. That's more than the population of the UK, certainly more than the population, about the population, more than population of Germany, more than population of many countries. Now, women uh, tend to bear this burden disproportionately. And and so energy poverty really has a female face in that women, when there's no power, um, no light from the grid, we tend to use alternative power like generators. And women are the ones who often have to go and either fetch firewood if it's going to be firewood or go to walk long distances to buy kerosene. Uh, women are the ones who um, have to give birth in clinics with no light and sometimes lose their lives because the doctor's trying to give birth by candlelight or by torchlight. Uh, women are the ones whose children are unable to do their homework um, because and therefore are deprived of perhaps uh, education um, because they're unable to study at night. Um, women are the ones who have to bend over a hot stove um, trying to cook, you know, inhaling a source of poisonous fumes. So, you know, women really do suffer disproportionately. On the converse, when you have energy or access to power, you know, small businesses, which tend to be, many of them tend to be manned by women, micro businesses with, with a mobile phone, which is charged, you could do a lot in terms of, you know, giving women um, some sort of economic empowerment. So in, in my industry, one of the first areas is, is actually just to enable more women to be consumers, to have access to and be consumers of the products. Now, because we're talking about the product which you know needs to be affordable, then having, for example, consumer finance, making the products available and having consumer finance or microfinance very often then gives that woman and we and we know that when it comes to microfinance, women have a much stronger repayments record. And so targeting microfinance at women is a, a definite way of enabling those women uh, to become consumers. So, so, so that's one, uh, enabling women to be consumers. Uh, another is, is just um, also enabling women to, to use this as a business. It, it's a very new industry in Africa. And by definition, most of, most of people using this are early adopters. Um, and it's a business whereby it's very much word of mouth. Now, in the communities, women tend to be those strong, uh, have very strong social networks, those strong community pillars, the trusted friend, the trusted aunt, who can re- who can recommend the product to you, and you're likely to want to use it and buy it. And so, we're also enabling women to become distributors or vendors of these products, um, and it works very well because they can leverage uh, those community networks. Um, and lastly, because it's a new industry, it's just a, a quote unquote male dominated industry. You don't have to shift anyone out of the position to succeed. And so, um, you said, know, so, so there are so many different roles in the value chain where we can actually encourage women uh, to take on some of those roles from the, from the distributors I mentioned earlier on, um, to people who install their solar systems. Um, there are many roles. And, and of course, um, not just the menial or blue collar rules, although that may be applicable at the grassroots level, but also ensuring um, that there is representation uh, throughout the career ladder, as I, as I alluded to earlier on. So I, I think in my industry, because it's a relatively new industry, um, we're, we're fortunate in that we can actually shape and mold policies and, and especially looking at the impact that renewable energy has um at the at the grassroots level, where women are ultimately will be the bigger beneficiaries. Even in terms of domestic violence, you'll be amazed how um, just having access to light or, or, or safety, having you know, having lights around the compound, um, electricity around the compound enables women to be to to inhabit a safer space. So my my particular industry, I think, is very important um, that we have more availability of energy and that will really have um, a huge effect on um, women's empowerment. So
0: you're actually enlarging the pie and creating new opportunities, which is which is wonderful.
1: There is scope for that.
0: Please. Gina, and what about your side of the world?
2: Yes, what Pedro has just said reminded me of... Of a book I'm reading at the moment, actually, you know, focusing on what Pedro said, related to how women tend to suffer most in times like this. Um, I'm reading currently a book called *Pachinko* by Ninjin Jin Lee. It's uh, it's set in in Japan. It's the story of four generations of Koreans uh, through you know wartime and uh, colonization, etc. And um, it's, it was originally published in 2017, and one phrase that continuously appears in the novel is, a woman's lot is to suffer, you know, because the story talks about how women suffer um, economically trying to provide for their family, especially at times of war, socially with, you know, struggling with, with unwanted pregnancies and the sto- social uh, stigma around that, et cetera. So it just came to my mind and I wanted to mention it. I think there are things that could help with women's economic empowerment. Um, Every one of us has something to contribute. But if, you know, Sarah, if you asked me maybe a year ago, what are three key areas we need to address to facilitate women empowerment, I would have given you three. But Today, I feel that it's more than that. This won't do anymore. We are beyond asking for a chance. We women in for women empowerment to happen. We need to change the underlying paradigms. We need to challenge the systems from how we do science to how we, we, uh, we define and debate economics. Um, And everything in between, uh, including politics, including business, including entrepreneurship, including finance, including um, caring responsibilities, etc. These systems are flawed and they are designed without us. So I do not think the only way to liberate this potential of women is not trying to fit in. We know very well that you know if a shoe doesn't fit it doesn't fit there's no point wobbling around and agonizing in a badly fitting stilettos um we need to create a new system one that uh, is built in partnership with the women as long you know as long as that doesn't happen you know you keep hearing things you know, I'll give you an example. Last Monday, an article came out in the Business Insider that has this title. NASA astronaut Megan McArthur, whose husband just flew on SpaceX Crew Dragon, will pilot the next the spaceship in spring. You know, like they define her of who her husband is. This, the main highlight of the story is that her husband just flew on SpaceX Dragon Crew Dragon. Was her husband on her CV when she was selected? No, he wasn't. And, you know, the story isn't that she is the wife of somebody. The story is that she will be the captain of that spaceship, Take the field of economics, for example, this is a perfect example because you see the women rattling the cage there as well, revolutionizing the field in terms of how even the simplest things, how we define debt and value and growth and GDP and pitch will know probably more than me on this. Um, I was reading the other day, Rebecca Henderson, an author and professor at Harvard Business School. She says, it's odd to finally make it to the inner circle and discover just how strangely the world is being run. So you see, to change things, really, we need to get to that inner circle and change it and change the system. You see the same in politics. You know, it goes without saying how women leaders have handled the pandemic. But it's a very long and tedious journey. And I think if, if I am to think of three types of women who are leading this, call it revolution, yeah? Um, I, you know, if I want to think about it this way, key ways to change the system, I would first think of the um, A-listers, you know, those who play the system and master its rules, the rules of the game, um. And we see many women in male-dominated fields doing marvelously, you know, and Peju is one of them. The the second group is the disruptors and those who try to get to the top and then shake and rebuild that system. Um, And the third type is the seekers. And I see those as the quiet characters who are kind of bidding their time And they will start to emerge once the system is more welcoming and accommodating. And I've known women of all three types. And I think this is how this tidal wave is to be led, by having the pioneers, by having the disruptors, and as well bringing along along the people who probably are quieter or shy and they need a more welcoming system. Um, The A-listers are our role models, and you see them everywhere. The disruptors are our heroes, and the seekers are our hope for a better future, you know, as generations, the younger generations grow and start leading themselves. And I think these three types will be, you know, helping change the system, but also, obviously, with the man as an ally and Leading, co-leading this this movement by just believing, like Pedro said, on the importance of diversity on all aspects, on financial, so in terms of social ju- justice, obviously, as well as you know, finan- financial performance and um,
0: and returns. The the best part of that was, you know, when you said that if it doesn't fit, doesn't fit, and sometimes it gets so difficult to realize that you need. Any- you need something that fits. And around us, or I, I think in my prior generation, I see a lot of superwomen who are trying to do everything and trying to fit in the space. Little, little do they realize that they, they need to step back and create a new system that works best, rather than just trying to overdo and become these, although they are great, great role models, but they are superwomen, which is not sustainable for all.
2: So uh, exactly exactly We need to bring in you know that's the essence of diversity. We need to bring in the people who are more retired, who are more um, you know the shy characters and I, I I see them everywhere and as long as we, you know in academia most we see them most in academia um and yeah you, you do need to bring them along as well and you need to prepare the the play field so
1: that they feel welcome. Um, I I must say, I really like what you said, Gina, about diversity. Um, And and when we talk about diversity, I think we we tend to think along two main um, uh, strata, if you like. We think about gender diversity a lot and we think about ethnic diversity. But I think other types of diversity, like social diversity, um um and, and you know uh, and even diversity so for example if you look at a typical board you know many and I, and I and i may be generalizing but you find that because people often tend to hire in their own image you would find maybe you know some of the companies at least say in nigeria many people have formed gone the route of maybe say being a cfo and a former ceo you know but why don't we put a teacher on the board You know, why don't we put, so not just in terms of social diversity, not just the typical, um, you know, blue blood, white middle class type person who, you know, could be male, could be female, but has the same values, but people with real diversity in terms of their their social beliefs, real diversities in terms of profession. I think only that way, when we begin to get more representative of what society looks like, will we begin to get change. So you know, it's so it's so easy. I mean, I see this all the time. People talk about gender diversity in, in in Nigeria, and it's the same women, you know. Literally, some women sit on like six, seven boards, and other others of these side, you know, the seekers, as you call them, brilliant as they are, don't get put forward. And so I wonder what value. Um, so it's it's almost like a box box ticking exercise, which defeats the purpose of diversity. So um, I, I really do identify with, with what you've just said.
2: I 100% agree with what Pedro just said regarding looking at other, you know, when we think about diversity, it's not just in terms of gender, in terms of ethnicity, socioeconomic background, as well as um, uh, cognitive uh, you know, people with, with different cognitive abilities or neurodiversity. and I'm thinking of people um, with, with uh, autism or ADHD. And we know autistic people, for example, are innovators, they're problem solvers. And we also, when we prepare a more inclusive system, these are
0: also people we have to, to, to bring into the conversation and to think of. Totally agree on that, Gina. Um... And while we are at it, um, Piju, I'd like to kind of share a, um, a result from a Harvard Business Review study from 2019, which suggested that successful women uh, need two networks unlike uh, successful men. And very interestingly, uh, the study was based on the Harvard MBA um, class. And uh, they observed that, yes, having high centrality and having the right networks is a key to success. But for female leaders, they also need an inner circle of female contacts. And we have been talked about the inner circle earlier on in the conversation. Uh, did you have that inner circle in your career? And how can females in the workplace strengthen their visibility the collective voice,
1: and representation. Okay, thank you, Sarah. Interestingly, as I said, I, 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 learned, <laughs> I learned a lot of lessons, um, I would say almost too late in my career. And I'm keen that other people don't make the same mistakes. And so it took me a long time to understand the power of net- networking and have, have, understand the power of having support groups. So um, I used to think that as long as I was working very hard um, and as long as I was, you know, professional and, um, you know, producing excellent results, that I would progress. And it, it pretty much worked until I got to the CEO level. And then all of a sudden that isn't enough. And because you're not, you're not really part of the old boys network, try as you might, um, I, you know, I, I then realized the power of having female networks, and so I'm I'm using those much more intentionally than I ever did early in my career, and and encouraging people um, who are starting out to make this a very strong part of their you know career toolkits. Um, and so I I totally agree that um, apart from your normal network of industry circles, I am now a member of a number, quite a number of you know, female circles, formal and informal. And I find them um, important from a career perspective, but much more important just from a, a um, support perspective just because women tend to live full lives um, or many women tend to live full lives. And, you know, just having people who can understand the many balls being juggled you know, is, is always a blessing. And so you know, I, I totally agree. I, I agree on the importance of visibility. Um, again, like I, I used to be the, you know, the shy, retiring violets who just worked very hard. <laughs> I would do things differently if I, if I could start afresh. I would be much more visible from the very beginning. And visible not just within my industry, but also across, um, um, so, so not just in industry circles, but across different, different types of circles. And, and, and I'm working on it, by the way. I am still working on it. It's never too late. I'm working on it.
0: That That is the inspiring part. And, you know, as you mentioned that previously, a lot of your mentors were men. Perhaps when you, given your journey is spanning across the course of 30 years, perhaps when you started off, those options weren't very much available. And now that you see it, uh, even though you're at the, at the top of the ladder, the, the fact that you're, you know, Taking all those opportunities and passing it on down to to other female networks is is super cool.
1: And yes, you you asked, When I was starting out, it it was it wasn't it wasn't discussed. It wasn't a thing. You know, perhaps there was a little bit of it going on, but you know, it really wasn't. So, so I think in that sense, you know, like um, Gina said, it, it's still not enough. It you know, we we can't. Um, it shouldn't even be a debate if women are close to half half of the population, but unfortunately it's this. So as much progress as we think we've made, it's, it's still not enough. It really isn't enough.
0: It isn't. And I think there is so much to be done to just educate females and women leaders and, and women colleagues to work together and the importance of those support networks. Because sometimes when you are in a minority and you're juggling with so many you know, with so many roles, with so many hats, it's like you need that support. To it's it the fact just to know that somebody is in the same boat gives you so much comfort and how they are handling it, or if somebody just says, you know, it's okay, this this happens, and this is how you can tackle it, that that really helps. And while we talk about that, you know well, well, what is your recommendation on bringing male allies on board? Um, so, sorry, what do you mean by bringing man allies? Into the, you know, like. Just like, you know, you have your old boys club. How do you kind of convince the this members of these club that they need to make way for females to step in hmm. and women leaders to come in? And it's not just about football and golf and just those topics because sometimes even in some of the organizations I've been, it's very hard to even be part of the conversation because it's, it's so hmm. different.
2: It starts with education, you know, the way we raise our boys. Uh, it starts by, you know, extending this conversation. One thing that I really don't like about the events that promote, you know, gender equality, the role of women, is that the mo- mostly you see the, in the audience, you mostly see women in these rooms. So I think we need to see more men in the room. We need to engage them in the conversation rather than just blame them for how the system is working. So it's a conversation um, and partly it's education as well. And once they kind of take on this responsibility of, you know, pushing forward with this equality agenda, I think uh, there are a couple of things um, men allies are able to do um, to help in the workplace and in society and everywhere uh, one is is to advocate you know to call out inequality when you see it uh, to refuse injustice uh, whether it's in entrepreneurship you know investing in women businesses whether it's in academia how uh, what kind of funding uh, what kind of projects are being funded or scientific grants, you know, um, promotions in the workplace, etc. So advocate. Uh, the second one I would say is to amplify. You know, this is a concept that I really, really like. Amplify the, the voices of minorities. I um, amplify um, the voices of women rather than, you know, speaking over them and I think there is a power in the collective voices, in the voice of the collective. And this is something you mentioned at the beginning, you know, uh, the power of communities powering through with this movement towards more equal workplaces and more equal societies. So advocate, amplify. And um, you think, I think probably I would also choose, you know, to keep with the, to make it the triple (laughs) A, probably choose to acknowledge. You know, acknowledge their successes, acknowledge their role, the women's role and the role of minorities, Uh, give them credit where credit is due, Uh, give elbow room, you know, Uh, sharing the responsibilities, whether in the workplace again or at home. You know, these are things I think if you want, you know, as as men, uh, these are things they could that could help. Um, you know, with this, with with taking this
0: agenda forward, to amplify, advocate, and acknowledge this. <laughs> yes, Free <months. laughs> A's are here. Yeah, oh. a a. <laughs> <laughs> when one of the articles that uh, was published in BBC and was uh, featuring a research, um, it was this, this article was published in July twenty ten twenty. Had a wonderful line that I'd love to share. It says every single male CEO who looks around his boardroom table to see nine out of 10 male faces staring back at him needs to ask himself what he's doing to make his business, his business, one, which his daughter or granddaughter can get on. And uh, it's by Wanda Murray who chairs the board at 50 to 50 company. So very thoughtful. And, um, that's what I share with my male colleagues that uh, I tell them that this podcast should be your daughter's lullaby and your son's lullaby because, you know, uh, you need to, you need to share these conversations around. Absolutely. All righty-o's. So we will now, you know, we're uh, moving towards the end of this wonderful dialogue and we'll ask some, uh, uh, up close and personal questions, uh, to kind of nicely end it. It's a rocky road to lead, lead the way, to shatter glass ceilings, and women leaders are expected to be queen bees and superwomen for that matter. What is your personal mantra? How has your journey impacted you and your vulnerabilities, really, And, you know, before I before I get on to you guys, I think one thing that I really admire about both of you is when I look at you, I don't... I. I I, I don't feel that you're any less feminist than what you should be. I mean, it's, it's not like you're trying to fit into a, a male-dominated world, changing your persona, becoming somebody different. So, so that is something that I find really inspiring, and I really look up to uh, female leaders who are actually able to you know, shine out with their feminism and be super innovative about it. So, so yeah, Pedro.
1: We like to hear your thoughts. I, I, I love that. And I think it goes back to what Gina said about the stiletto. I can't remember the exact comment, but I, I thought it was apt. Um, yes. Yeah, so, so being successful, um, doesn't necessarily mean we need to try to conform, try so hard to be, to conform that we, we forget who we really are. And, and I must say, you know, there's, there's this stereotype about women, you know, women bosses, the queen bee. Um, women putting down other women, women not getting on with other women, women bosses, the stereotype is that, you know, this is a boss from hell. Um, if there's anything I do do, it's to break that stereotype and actually ensure that, I'm not, and I have wonderful relationships with the women um, that I work with. Um, so, so I think it's a stereotype. And, and if there's any, one thing I do do, it, it is to consciously break that myth. It, it is not so. Women can collaborate, women can cooperate, um, women can work well and do work well together. And, and perhaps it comes from, you know, my, my, one of my mantras is, is to treat other, others as I would like to be treated. Um, and so, you know, if I had been in a, in a position where, you know, for the woman who's multitasking. I have been in positions where I've had to do things, you know, put work a bit on hold to take care of, you know, our business. I don't see why, you know, I should begrudge other women or other men who have to do the same. Um, so, so I, I do, I do, I have tried to stay true to myself and, and it's because, you know, I I would like to treat, treat others as, as I would like to be treated. I, I do think though, so. I have four children um, and I love, in a sense, I love the times that we're in. And I love, um, in in my country, working from home and flexible working was never really a reality. We've we've, we've blown that out of the window and absolutely shown that it's possible to work effectively from home. And I think this is going to be so liberating for so many women, Um, not just women, but it's going to be so liberating. And um, because I do feel that I missed out on family time. Um, I, I, I feel very strongly that I missed out on family time. My kids are all grown up now. Um, and, and, you know, kids grow so fast. <laughs> you just wonder where all the time went. I do miss, I, I do feel I missed out on, on special friendships. I feel that as I progressed in my career, I became more and more an odd person in my circle of friends. Many of them began to drop out. And I was this sort of, you know, and and, and it's, it's, um, people sometimes ascribe a persona on you that you are not. They just assume that because you're, uh, you know, a CEO with a you know, big corner office or, or, you know, whatever, that you must be, these are people I've known, perhaps I've known them all my lives. And all of a sudden they assume that I have suddenly <laughs> become a monster and I'm, I'm like, oh, where does that come from? So we also have to deal with, with people's perceptions of what the successful career woman is. And, and, you know, I love, I love, I love, I love, um, you know, my, my build, I'm petite, I love, in fact, I love that feeling of, of surprise when, um, you, you know, very often I go to a meeting and they say, right, you know, who's the CEO? And you see them looking around the room, you know, look everywhere but in my direction. <laughs> and finally there's a silence, a long, embarrassed silence, and they say, oh, it's her. Very funny. I love it. I, so I laugh. I laugh. I laugh. I laugh. I laugh a lot at myself. Um, I have three daughters, as I said. And it's most important to me that I'm, I'm a strong role model for them and, you know, a, a strong role model for them and for their friends. And, and so I think as long as I can see, um, and you know, children do, they do what you do. They, do, they don't do what you say. And so I very much watch their choices um, and, and, and use that often as a, as a guide. And um, one thing I must say is that I think we also need to shake off our definitions of what is a successful female leader. As far as I'm concerned, you don't have to be a CEO in the C-suite to be a successful female leader. You know, you could be an athlete, you could be a housewife, um, you could be whatever, as long as your 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 ambitions and aspirations are not being inhibited by forces outside of yourself or by um, self-imposed barriers and limitations. So I you know, I don't necessarily think that because somebody opted to have a better balance of work and life or family and career means that they're less successful than I am. It depends on what, what measure you're using.
0: That's a very, very thoughtful statement. And uh, My mom's a working mom as well and uh, her thoughts resonate totally with you. She's a doctor and while we were young she did not want to pursue a full-time career so she went part-time and for her that was success and then later on she did full-time and when we went to university she did full-time and i can i i understand where you come from and i i feel you and i think uh, the fact that you know treat others as you want to be treated is something which is very well known but i think we need a reminder of that constantly gina
2: yes uh what, what I want to f- say first is that I want to say thank you, Piju, for being such a, a wonderful, wonderful person, uh, for your humility, for your authenticity, and how true to yourself you are, and how supportive you are for other women. And it pains me, but I must say that not everybody is like that. Not every, even, not every woman is supportive of other women. And I love this in you. And I'm very privileged and happy that I got to know you and work with you. Um, The second thing I want to say is that, uh, Sarah, you mentioned your mother. And this reminded me as well, um, I've had a wonderful role model growing up as well, my own mom. Um, My mom, she's now a retired school teacher, but you know, for me growing up, she was always a school teacher, a very, very hardworking, um, school teacher. And she raised us while doing a full-time job that is very, very time demanding and energy demanding. And you won't believe this, but she actually never took a day off. She never took a day off ill or, you know, she, she only t- took the days off when it was a holiday at school or for the su- summer break, but she was that hardworking, and she raised us with my father um, to be hardworking and, yeah, among other things. She also brought us to be lovers of books, my siblings and I. Something you said, Pedro, that deeply, deeply resonated with me is, one, you, how you laugh it off when you face... These, you know, misconceptions or these discriminations, or what? I love this shock factor about you, and I love most more is how you embrace it as a as a weapon. You know, I love this. This, um, you know, you, um, you know, you you catch people off guard. I love this, and I'm also growing up and you know navigating my way through my career. I've also learned that sometimes we need to laugh it off. I've learned to become a Teflon woman. You know, negativity doesn't stick on me. I just have to, you know, let it slide and move on with my, with my mission, with, with with my passion and with my dreams. So this is something I also, uh, that also resonated with me. Another brilliant thing you said is to shaking off stereotypes. And this is something I deeply, deeply believe in. And, um, you know, with with Enterprise Women, the entrepreneurship program that I lead at Cambridge Judge Business School, one idea that I embrace deeply and I work on all the time is how we can help women embrace their true self. Their authenticity has so much power in it. And instead of trying to fit, like you said, um, embrace this. Um, embrace your own leadership style and throw away that norm, that social norm that a leader has to be a loud superstar. And it doesn't have to be. As long as you believe that what you bring to the table is unique, is valid, And worthy. That's all you need. You need this as a mantra, and then you will build the resilience to find adversaries um, who are trying to prove otherwise. Inhibitions is another thing. I mean, you know, sometimes our worst enemies are us in our minds and letting go of these inhibitions and being ourselves. And one thing I'd like to share with your uh, listeners, Sarah, today is, you know, there are ways that help us, like concrete ways, that help us let go of these inhibitions. I, for example, practice physical theatre, and it helped me a lot as a public speaker, um, as a you know, as a facilitator, as a chairperson, as a person who is, you know, often visible speaking about some, something or another. It also it helped me a lot, you know, removing these blockages, whether in our body language or in our minds, and letting go sometimes and letting. You know, opening a little door where our creativity can 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 come in, um, and now I very quickly come back to your original question about. Uh, you said you mentioned shatter shattering glass ceilings. Um, so my I have my own experience. In my own experience, I've, I've shattered a glass ceiling when I decided to get my PhD in Lebanon, that never offered a degree in a PhD in astrophysics before. I sort of shattered um that glass ceiling because nobody had done it before no man no woman had done it before but what I think is that we need to stop using the term of glass ceilings because it's inhibitive in a way because to be honest with you in hindsight um it could be seen as a glass ceiling but when I was in the thick of it I did not see a ceiling I just Grew into this self that was you know emerging out of me, I was forging this path for myself, and i i didn 't see there was a ceiling and didn 't imagine there was a lid on me and If we just let go of this notion, you know the the, the sky is the limit, um, and this has impacted me um, in in my future. Um, you asked about my mantra. Um, something I keep repeating to myself is, is I don't have a dream, I have a plan. Um, and this takes a lot of courage. It's easy to say, but it takes a lot of courage. Uh, it, it takes a lot of jumping out of my comfort zone because you know, if you want your future in a certain way, you have to plan it and you have to design it with your own hands. And it's very easy. I find that it's very easy with everything that's going on to drift um, in, in, in one's mission. Um, and it's never a straight line. It never is. But as long as you have that North Star in sight, um, you can always find a way to make your
0: dream come true. These are wonderful parting thoughts. And um, I f- felt like I could listen to this forever, Gina and Peja both. And well, Thank you, thank you very much. And uh, you both are absolutely inspiring in your own unique way and that's where the treasure lies because the treasure lies in uniqueness and in how you embrace your uniqueness and how you kind of you know let go of certain things and laugh it off and where or choose your battles for that matter I, i'm going to be like a strong follower of your journey and both of your journeys and i hope and i wish that more women can be inspired by your uh, lovely journey It's time to design, create, and build an inclusive club. If you enjoyed this dialogue, please do share this podcast episode as a care gift with your friends, family, and wider network. Do leave us some feedback in the comments section below and follow us on Instagram at The Winning Side Podcast. Till then, ciao, ciao.